I don't know if you noticed, but not one time did I look at those screens <laughs> during that. I just really felt like to learn something that well and do it so well and only do it one time in a series just felt wrong. Because many of us, we might forget some of the words that were said, but we may just walk out sing to everything. <laughs> so thank you guys so much. Are y'all ready to get into the Word this morning? <laughs> Now, you guys get to look at the screen. If you will stand and let's get into the Word this morning. There is a... A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to reap. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to give away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Father, I thank you that all of our times are in your hands. I thank you that you are good and you are sovereign, Father, and there are ordained days in our life, ordained seasons and times in our life, Father. Somewhere we lean in super close to you, and other times, Father, where, where we almost feel the, the freedom of your joy, Lord, to, to just walk. Father, I thank you, Lord, that in each and every season, you are good. You are good and you are faithful and you will walk us through beginning to end. And Father, if we will have teachable hearts in those seasons, God, you are bringing something beautiful. You're, you're making something beautiful and we can trust you in that. I pray, Father, that everything that is of me would fall and be forgotten today, but all that is of you would stand, produce fruit in our lives consistent with righteousness. In Jesus' name, and they all said... Amen. Can you believe God entrusted us to, I mean, he has shared 28 seasons that he has shared with us. If you look at this, there are 14 contrasting seasons that the Lord has um, just opened the book on for us for a while and, and giving us direction as to how to walk through these seasons. And I'm so grateful. And while we might be able to think of, you know, a few other seasons or whatever, chances are they're going to fall into one of those. You know, like what about the marriage season? Well, it says right there, a time to love and a time to, I mean... Uh, or maybe a time to refrain from, uh, or mean. <laughs> all of our seasons are covered. We just won't get into all of them this morning. It's interesting to me how differently, has anyone noticed how different men and women are? You too? <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> I was thinking that like just the other millennium. Um, uh, when... Uh, my husband, he said, what, what are you teaching? And I said, I'm teaching on war and peace. And I'm thinking, you know, it's a time for love and it's a time for peace. And when I say I'm teaching on war and peace, and he goes, freedom! <laughs> and I'm like, is that a statement on our marriage? Is that... 
No, he's like, freedom. And then he says, oh, you know what you could do? You could show the clip from the movie Michael with John Travolta, where he steps into the field and he looks at the, the bull and he says, battle! Has yeah. anybody in this room married to an opposite? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, I'm over here going, let's get... All we are saying is <laughs> give peace a chance. But God does that. He shores up our weak areas. And a lot of times he does that through this whole marriage thing to where you're like, Lord, we have, we're like exact opposites. And God's like, exactly. You need him. He needs you. And somehow he brings this beautiful balance. And that's what he does with our seasons. In each of those seasons, he is giving us, creating something in us that we need. He is so faithful to do that. As these 28 optional seasons, (laughs) though we've all had them. Have any of you guys, as we've gone through the seasons, have you gone, been there, did that, been there, did that, been there, did that? All of them, I mean, and as I'm listening to the different teachers and the different ones share on these seasons, I'm like, God, this is this beautiful patchwork quilt that he's creating. He is making something so beautiful. And see, that's the the scripture after all of this that we just read. If you skip down to uh, verse 11, it says, he is making all things beautiful in his time. What he is doing in your life with these seasons is he is creating something beautiful. And as I thought about these quilts, I thought about when I was a little girl, my grandmother was a beautiful quilter. She made the most beautiful quilts. And one of my favorite things, I could when it was quilting season, when she decided she was going to quilt something, she would get, uh, put her quilt rack out in the living room in front of the big picture window because her aging eyes needed a little bit more light than it did in the early times. So it would lay out, if, I don't know if you know what a quilt rack looks like, but it basically is two sawhorses, looks like two sawhorses with like an eight foot two by four on this side and an eight foot two by four on that, and you roll the quilt as you work. And my grandmother would work from the inside out because that's the only way you can get the stitches tight, but I think it's significant. But my favorite thing is I, I, I didn't want to see the top of the quilt because I loved to lay underneath the quilt in the floor because the light would shine through and I would watch my grandmother quilt from underneath the quilt. And as those stitches would pierce the fabric, I would begin to think, okay, what's she making? What kind of quilt is this going to be? What's she doing? And I loved to watch the patterns begin to take shape. I could see, because we were near a picture window, I could see the faint colors because there's three layers of padding or, or my grandmother might do them a little thicker than that but there's three layers of padding and you can see the shape but you can't really see what's happening over the top and I thought isn't that exactly like God in these seasons in our life my grandmother I didn't have to see what was on top because she was masterful in what she did and I knew by the time that it was all said and done she knew what it was going to look like from the time she rolled it out she knew beforehand I just didn't know but I knew this I knew it was going to be beautiful and I knew that it would be a work of art because she was a master And see, this is where we are sometimes as these seasons play out over our life. And we're laying under the canopy of this masterpiece that God is creating. And we can see those stitches pierce the fabric from time to time. And we can catch glimpses of what he's doing. We can't see. We're seeing through a glass darkly. But one thing that we can be assured of is he is a master. 
And He already knows how this thing is going to play out. And if we will be patient and enjoy our time under the canopy of these seasons, eventually there's going to be a day where that flip that quilt gets flipped and we get to see what he's been doing. And I, I believe it's going to be the most breathtaking work we can possibly imagine. I thought, I can't talk to you all about quilts. Sorry, camera guy. I can't talk to you about quilts without sharing just a little bit. And then afterwards, I will rent these to those in the front that are freezing. <laughs> Miss Lori, you need a quilt, girl. Okay, this one's coming your way. Can I have it back? Fine. This is a log cabin quilt. To me, the most beautiful quilts are the ones that have been well used. Because see, the true beauty when God is creating, when he's creating, when my grandmother was creating a quilt, yes, it would be beautiful, but that wasn't the purpose. She was creating something that would sustain us and cover us in cold and windy seasons. She was making something that was of benefit to the family, that was going to help everybody. The byproduct of that was it was beautiful. Don't you know that as God makes you useful, you become more and more beautiful? As you begin to step into the purposes that God has for you in the body of Christ, how beautiful you become. And when it's worn and tattered and well-loved like the velveteen rabbit, that makes it even more beautiful. This is a log cabin quilt. I love that. To me, this is one of the most beautiful patterns, and I love the red at the heart of it because there is red at the heart of it. Somebody come give this to Miss Lori. Loan this to Miss Lori. And this one, very familiar one, the double wedding ring. Not as worn, also known as the baby maker. I mean, never mind. <laughs> Notice that I did say marriage quilt. Double wedding ring. You don't know what God's creating. You don't know what he's doing, but you do know that he is a master and he is making something beautiful in its time. So as we go through these seasons, we have now come to this season of war and peace. And um, I am the daughter of a Marine. I am the wife of an Air Force. Um, and I know the cost of war. I know I don't know it like they know it, but I know the price that they pay. Our military men and women and their families have nothing but great respect for you. I'm so grateful. In fact, is there anyone in here if you served in the military? Let's just give them a See, they understand war in a way that we will never understand war. And um, I can't pretend to speak on the things that they could speak on. And so I struggled a little bit and I went, okay, Lord, help me to share this about, about peace and about war because I'm a peacemaker. That's who I am. That, that the Lord just wired me that way. And so when I had to speak on war, the, the Lord just had to open some things to me. As a peacemaker, I am the middle daughter of five daughters. Where have I heard that phrase before? I'm the middle daughter. I have two older and two younger. And can I tell you that my oldest sister is the epitome of a like redhead, like an Irish redhead. She has temper. She had, 
I love you if she's watching. Um, she, she just was fiery. And the, because she was fiery, the next sister was kind of like in the shadows a lot. And then I came along, and I was a little active. I had a little bit of energy. Then there was my little sister, and then there was Melody. My mom would come through, and she'd say, Now you, you are my peacemaker. You are my peacemaker, which made no sense because I was like the meanest one. I was like, I got into most stuff, and then I realized she's prophesying over me. <laughs> I got to stay away from her. She's speaking peace over my life. And, uh, but she did over and over and over so much that I embraced it. And it wasn't that she spoke something that wasn't. What she did was tap into the eternity that God had written on my heart. And upon that, that God had written in my heart, I was a peacemaker. She would say, Barbie, you are a peacemaker. And blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the sons of God. And I said, well, mom, that didn't apply to me. I'm a girl. And a girl can't be a son. And she'd give me that look like she wasn't about to be peaceful if I just like didn't watch it. And, uh, <laughs> but she would speak it over me. And I began to embrace it. And, it, and it, you know how when somebody says something over you and it just rings true and the spirit on the inside of you goes, ah. Oh, yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, that's it. I've had many people do that in my life. And so I walked as a peacemaker. But I also used being a peacemaker as an excuse not to confront issues that needed to be confronted. The Lord gave me some clarifiers. The scripture that says, in so much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's a really good one to grab onto. If it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But you're not always going to be able to live at peace with everyone. And when there is a season that you have to confront something, we need to know how to do that, right? Because, see, the definition of war is not always armed. It's not always armed. The definition says it is a defined, declared, extreme conflict. Have you ever been in a declared extreme conflict? I've been in quite a few of those, <laughs> quite a few of those, but I tried not to be because I was supposed to be a peacemaker. And then after all of those years of her saying, here, you're a peacemaker, you're a peacemaker, you're a peacemaker. One day I'm a grown up and I'm sitting at her house and I'm in the middle of a situation where there really needs to be something confronted. And I'm like, mama, I am trying to keep my peace. I'm trying not to get into this. And she said, Barbie, sometimes the price of peace is war. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. All of these years, you did not say that when I was chasing Kathy Bunch with a baseball bat. <laughs> and all I was trying to do was to get to peace. She never, she never said that. And then I thought, okay, well, if that's true, I'm a grown-up. And if it does take, sometimes if you have to face a battle to get to the other side of it and gain peace, then Lord, you need to show me how to do that because I'm not real sure how to do it. I can be very timid in those things. I've been told, Barbie, you need a backbone, but I don't see that in the Scripture. I looked up, do you need a backbone? And I didn't find it. <laughs> what I did find was, He is my defender. What I did find is that he is my strength, but he's also trying to teach me. So I said, okay, God, you're going to have to define this for me. If I'm supposed to step into seasons where there is battle, then you need to define battle for me. And he just got, uh, he began to open up different things to me. Don't you know that there are times when war comes on you? 
Do you know there are times when suddenly you step into a battle that you weren't planning for? And then there are other times where you seek out a battle that you probably should have been quiet and not sought out. But in those seasons when battle comes to you, God gives you everything you need in that moment to face that battle, to face that struggle. Case in point, my daughter was in the third grade. She was eight years old. She is now 25 years old. So it's been a little while. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, and we were sitting on the front porch, and, I, and my husband and I were sitting on the front porch with two of our friends, Kurt and Christine Lockett. If you remember them, you will know them by their nine children. And this weary look that Christine often had. I don't understand it. Um, we were sitting on the front porch, and two houses to our left is the cul-de-sac. It's very clear from our porch. And we were sitting there, and Katie and her friend decided to take our puppy for a walk. We had a puppy that was about six weeks old. We got her when Katie was eight. That dog is still alive. I know, right? I mean, sometimes you'll think, oh, bless her heart. She's, she's, I think she's passed. And she's like, nope, just kidding. <laughs> you. I know. I mean, I love her. Don't get me wrong. That sounded bad, but you know, one time she was asleep in the hallway and she can't really see well or hear very well. And I stomped close to her to just see if she was breathing. And then I thought, dang it, I just did CPR. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, but they were running down to the cul de They were going to take this puppy for a walk to the cul-de-sac, and they're taking this little puppy, and they're just walking, and, and the four of us are just talking on the porch, and all of a sudden, you hear that scream that no parent wants to hear. It's like, Daddy! And all of the adults' eyes turn to the left, and we look and we see our eight-year-old and her friend and that puppy running for all they are worth, and this big black dog is right on their heels. His teeth are bared, and he is coming after him for all he's worth. And a lot of things happened in that, in that time frame. A lot of things just took place at once. The most marked being that my beautiful gray-haired husband leaps over the banister on the porch. And I'm like, the steps are right here. And... <laughs> <laughs> Why do I always have to point out the obvious? That's what I want to know. He leaps over the banister and takes off in a flat run. My friend Christine goes into tongues like immediately. She's such a little warrior. I'm like, whoa. And and, uh, her husband goes down the steps and heads toward mine. And I'm just kind of watching everything unfold. And about that time, this dog lunges and... It grabs hold of the puppy in its jaws and just begins to shake the puppy. I already told you he's alive, so it's okay. (laughs) When we prayed for healing, I think I might have added longevity in there somewhere and wasn't aware of it. But he's shaking this puppy, and about that time, Hal grabs it. This is like a 60, 75-pound dog, and he grabs it by the scruff of the neck and by the bootay. And he flip. Oh, wait, wait a minute. He shakes the dog first to make it drop the puppy, and then he launches that dog out into the middle of the road. It was beautiful. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they surprise you. Um, but, okay, all right, everything was fine, except the puppy was really not well, and we wound up taking it to the, the hospital and everything. But my point was this. I don't think he knew what he had in him until the moment it was called on. We don't know what God's placed on the inside of us in those seasons until it's called on. And when he calls on it, when something hits you, when you have a suddenly moment, something that you can't plan for, something you can't define, and that you can't fully prepare for, he's already given you everything you need for that moment in that season. Whether it is a season of peace or a season of war, as whatever your season is, God has already given you what you need if you will put on the inside of you the things that you need to place on the inside of you in this moment, in this time. God has already met those needs. He's given you what you need. When do you go to battle? When do you step in? When do you step in and when do you step out? Very often you'll hear somebody talk about, well, you know, well, Jesus overturned the, the, the tables in the temple. Yes, he did. He did. It's one instance in his life. I, I do not see him as a as militant. Yes, there's military, there's battles all the way through, but he calls, he is the prince of peace. That's who he is. That's what he does. So in order for the prince of peace to step into a battle, there had to be some clarifiers. And I believe the Lord can give us clarifiers as to whether or not we're supposed to step in or step out. And one of the things that that struck me was Jesus didn't go into the temple because he was mad at the people in the temple. He didn't run in because they had hurt his feelings or they had uh, uh, violated his rights in some way. And so he ran in to defend that. That wasn't the case. We can see a little bit about his motivation. If you go up just a couple of verses above him cleansing the temple, you will find him saying, uh, you will find him weeping over Jerusalem. You will find him uh, saying uh, how, long, how he had longed to gather them, how he loved them. And so he was still, that's who he was. So when he stepped in to battle in the temple, I believe a couple of things. Number one, John tells us that it says he made a whip of cords before he ever went in. I don't think if you were like a total hothead and you were super angry that you would stop, take the time, braid a cord, and then go into battle. I think... The, the motivations behind why we step in are super important. I believe Jesus stepped in because he loved the people and he saw that they were being taxed. He saw that they were being abused. He saw that they were not uh, receiving in the temple the things that they were supposed to receive. And I believe he stepped in. He said, you've made it a den of thieves. My father's house should be a house of prayer. His father's house is supposed to be a, pray, a house of prayer for the people. God God is always going to step in for his people. The word says he arises at the groanings of his people. That's what God does. That's a checkpoint in those seasons where you don't know whether you need to confront or you need to fight. If it's about you, that can be a real check in your spirit. If it's about the defense of others, if it's about loving, if it's about caring for God's people, if it's the the defense of others, that's a pretty good indicator that it's time to step in. One of the things, Pastor Ronnie, when I came on staff years ago, I I said, how do you know? Because you face a lot of things. and, And I'm like, how do you know when to get involved? And how do you know when to stay out of it? And he said, well, when they cross the line and it begins to hurt and affect the body, then you step in. 
Well, see, that's consistent with what I see in Scripture. That's consistent with what I've seen God do in my life. And then the other thing, number one, it's not about you. It's not about your feelings. It's not about you being upset or hurt or wounded or thinking your rights have been violated. It's a much bigger picture of these seasons of war. But the other thing is, and I think this is most important, is that your enemy is never in front of you. Your enemy is never the person that you're in conflict with. We do not fight against flesh and blood. We fight against powers and principalities. So you might be mad at that person standing in front of you, but that is not your enemy. My prayer so many times has been, God, show me why they're doing this. God, show me why they're hurting me so that I can understand what's going on here because there's a bigger picture to all of this. Your enemy is not the person in front of you, and that's a huge clarifier because God was always for His people. God was always for His people. So is it about you? If you're going to war, let it be about something big. Let it be about something that matters, something that's important, and understand that that person that you're upset with, they are not your enemy. Amen? There was a movie a few years ago, and it was called Collateral Beauty. I don't know if you've seen it. But in that movie, the, the whole premise of the movie was looking for the beautiful places that come out of the hard things. So in, in times of devastation, you know, or in times of disaster, the collateral beauty of seeing a community come together, of seeing them support and love one another, or a personal tragedy in your own life and people stepping up and coming in and just the beauty that comes out of those hard places that draws from the wells on the inside of us in those times. There's, there's beauty that comes out of those ashes. And the, uh, the, the whole idea behind it was make sure as you're going through your hard seasons, your war seasons, your battle times, your scattering times. Watch for the beauty that God is creating. In every season, He's trying to teach us something. He's trying to bring something to pass in our lives. Every moment in God is a teachable moment. Every season in God is another color coming into that quilt, another thread being put in the tapestry of this beautiful thing that He is creating called the Bride of Christ. He's creating this. A.W. Tozier made a statement and he said, I don't know if I can get this, but he said, the man of true faith can stand in complete assurance that his steps are ordered by the Lord. For him, misfortune is outside the realms of possibility. For him, misfortune is outside of the realms of possibility. You know what that means? That means your times are in his hands. The things that come are not accidents. They're not byproducts. God has a destiny in every life. God has breathed life and destiny onto the eternity in your hearts. And everything is in his hands. There is such great peace that can be found when you know that your times are in his hands. Amen? Amen. There is a time and a season for everything. If I have musicians. So as we come to a close of this series, of this series on our seasons of these 28 marvelous and questionable seasons, we can know that God is faithful and good in all of them. And He will walk us through beginning to end. My prayer is that our position as we walk them out is that we would remain teachable in all things, pliable in His hands as these seasons unfold over our life. To everything, there is a season, a time, and a purpose to everything under heaven. 
a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, (laughs) a time to build up and a time to tear down, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to give away, time to be silent and a time to speak, a time for love and a time for hate, a time for war and a time for peace. He is making all things beautiful in his time. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. I pray, Father God, that it would be planted in the depths of our souls, Father that we would produce fruit in our lives, Father, in every season, Father. I pray, Father, you conform us more and more into your image and to your likeness, Father. We love you. We trust you. We're so grateful for the master and the master's touch. We await the masterpiece.